Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to our first show of 2018. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. On our game day segment, we'll hear from Michigan great Jamie Morris. Yes, the same Jamie Morris that took the handoffs from Jim Harbaugh back in the day. Jamie co-hosts the M-Zone on WTKA Ann Arbor Monday through Friday with another Michigan great, Marcus Ray. Like you and I, he is not happy with what we saw on Monday in the Outback Bowl. But unlike you and I, he's been there, done that, and refuses to join the naysayers and bandwagon element in our fan base that is ready to pull the plug on the Jim Harbaugh era. That's why I wanted Jamie on today. He drew a parallel between a season in his career and this year's team. Back in 1984, Jim Harbaugh broke his arm in the Michigan State game, trying to recover a Jamie Morris fumble. That and a slew of injuries led to a 6-5 regular season and a loss to BYU in the bowl game, which clinched the national championship for the Cougars there one and only. It was a 500 season, Bo's worst at Michigan, and then the whispers that maybe the game was passing him by. Maybe there wasn't as much talent on the roster as there used to be. Well, the whispers turned to cheers the next year and for many years to come. Bo turned inward, examined his staff, and challenged his players to decide if they wanted to do what it would take to turn it around. They did. It doesn't mean that we have to accept what happened this season. We don't. But as Jamie Morris says, Jim Harbaugh won't accept it either. He's too competitive, and he does understand why everyone is so disappointed. Now it's his time to look inward, look at his staff, and challenge his players with that same question. How much do you want it? Big Ten championships, playoff appearances. And I know that sounds rah-rah, especially at this point in time in the program. And that's another reason I wanted Jamie on today. He knows Jim Harbaugh, they're friends, and they fought in the trenches together. He knows the measure of the man. And I thought today we needed that kind of perspective. Wolverine great Jamie Morris is up next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. With us on our game day segment this week is Michigan Great and co-host of the M-Zone Monday through Friday afternoon on WTKA Ann Arbor, Jamie Morris. Jamie Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Mike. How are you? Well, I'm doing all right, thanks. It's uh, We're recording just uh, the next morning after the Outback Bowl, so I'm sort of slogging through the day, still trying to, you know, sort of take in what I saw in the Outback game yesterday. And I can only say bitterly disappointing way to close the season and begin a new year. I'm really trying hard right now, Jamie, to find anything positive we can take from that game. Um, what are your thoughts? I guess um, some things that we need to look at. We, I mean, we got to take this game and watch the film. I mean, you. I mean, traditionally, you don't watch that film. You let that film go, and we go to the next. We 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 turn the page to the next season. But I think you bring your your players in, and you go over that film, and you go over the things that were executed correctly, and that's that's a whole lot of stuff in that second half. And I think the coaches have got to talk to these players and let them know 
what they'll be held accountable for. And I guess I shouldn't say I can't take anything positive from the game. Don Brown's defense, especially that front seven, was very good. They certainly did more than enough to win the game. We did give up a few big pass plays uh, uh, later in the second half, but overall, another darn good performance from the defense. Uh, great performance by the defense. I thought the defense played uh, tremendous. Uh, the front, like you said, the front seven played really well. Uh, Coach Coach Brown has a, has an aggressive attitude, but it's that type of attitude where those first three they, they're a three and out kind of defense. They're going to give you three downs and they're going to come with holy hell to to get to that quarterback and disrupt that offense. And uh, they're, they're going to need the rest after that. And we need a pounded out kind of uh, offense, and we weren't getting that. Uh, we got it kind of er- kind of early in the first and second quarter. But it it digressed in the second half. And I thought leading up to the game, when we knew Brandon Peters was going to get the start, I I really thought, okay, Brandon is going to be a difference maker. He will be the difference against South Carolina. But, you know, for whatever reason, not the breakout performance we had hoped for, Jamie. No, not the breakout. But, I mean, it's, it's not just one guy. I mean, the quarterback position is a key position, and you're right, Mike. But I think... You have to look at it. We, we had to replace two guys on the offensive line, too, that we didn't know about. So you had two uh, freshmen on that offensive line, a redshirt freshman and Mike O and uh, Cesar Ruiz on the uh, other side, a true freshman. So, I mean, you had to work with those two guys. So remember, you didn't have a, a cohesive unit working together. I know they had uh, uh, probably 29 to 30 days to work together. And but it just didn't. It uh, South Carolina uh, uh, brought pressure themselves, and these guys, you know, in an offensive line, you got to work together and make sure you're confident that your guy is getting done with your your you, you know your teammates getting done what it's supposed to get done. And when the quarterback position is not playing well, the offensive line is not playing well. You know, things don't come together. For the offense, and it, it, it looked that way in the second half. Well, and no one has to tell you of all people uh, how important those big guys in the trenches are. And we know we watched them all year. A lot of combinations, a lot of youth. I mean, we had a couple of veterans in, in there, but overall, mm-hmm. a lot of youth. And I guess when you now you step back after 12 games and you look at that offensive line, what is the problem? What is the answer up front? Honestly, I think everybody's going to have to look at themselves in the mirror. Everybody's got to take an, take an account of themselves and what they want to do with, with this offense and what they want to do with themselves. Uh, from an offensive line standpoint, you've got to set uh, the pivotal point at center uh, and then go out from there. You've got to establish who's going to be the starting guard, tackle. We're hoping uh, Newsom can come back from an injury, a hard injury he sustained two years ago. Uh, you're hoping for some guys to step up, get bigger, get stronger, uh, get angry. I mean, this was not a great season. Um, so you've got to, uh, you know, and then from the quarterback position, they got to learn the playbook. Whether the coaches have to uh, take the playbook down to suit these, these quarterbacks that they brought in or whatever, and you've got to do some things that, that are going to help you in the long run. And the receiving core, we know it was a young receiving core. You brought in six freshman wide receivers. You're going to have to make the timing of these athletes and the timing for these kids. You got to make it easier. You got to simplify things, whatever it takes. 
from a running game, the running backs are going to have to uh, step up. They're, and, you know, true to my heart, you're the heart and soul of this offense, and you establish, you set the, you set the, uh, the mark. So from a running game situation, whoever comes back, uh, Chris Evans, Karan Higdon, you, you got to set the tone. Uh, if somebody's in your way, run them over. Someone's in the way, make a miss. You got to do. You got to do the things that you you need to do to make make this offense go. Well, in your estimation, Jamie, did the program here we are after three years? Did it take a step backward this year? Yeah, I think so. But I think what you have is is you 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 look. You lost twenty seven guys to. I think that's the number twenty seven mm-hmm. twenty seven to twenty eight guys to the NFL a year ago. Now that's hard to replace, and that's hard to replace for anybody. That being said, you, you got to remember, you had Chesson and, um, and uh, Darbo, wide receiver. You had Jake Butt as your, as your tight end. You had three NFL caliber players making plays. You had to replace that with kids that are coming off high school fields and jumping onto a college field. That's a different level. No matter how you set it, you can give them all the stars you want. But until you're in that situation, things still move faster than on a high school field. And the athletes match up a little bit better. Um, so you've, you, you, you expect a little, a, a little uh, setback from the offensive standpoint. But you, I think we expected the offensive line to be significantly uh, a lot better because they're younger, more aggressive. But we took a setback there. I don't know why. So that being said, we need to move forward. And, you know, as I said, it starts, it starts with the head man. Uh, I think Coach Harbaugh needs to look at himself, and then he needs to evaluate his, his coaching staff, and then he needs to evaluate his team. Would you think changes are needed on that staff? Is that a possibility, or is that just not the answer? I, I think it's a possibility. I think he needs to look at the film, the game film, with his staff and go over the game plan and take that game plan and go over that game plan that they had set forth for the South Carolina team. Now, mind you, South Carolina was going to do some different things. It's a bowl game, so everybody's going to try something new. They, they, they had a new offensive coordinator in there, different things like that. Uh, they tried to do some things defensively to put the pressure on Brandon, um, and they need to go over the game plan to make sure who, who was involved in that game plan and why it didn't work and what things did work because there were some things early that were working and why didn't we stay with those things, you know, and then at halftime adjustments, we should have made more halftime adjustments because you knew they were going to make halftime adjustments. They were going to stop us from doing certain things that were working for us. So we need to, we need to counter that to do something that's going to work for us even more. So that being said, I don't know if he needs to, you know, make changes, but, I mean, he needs to do something to generate the, you know, what's going to happen next. Because, I mean, this is a big year for him. I mean, he's got guys that have, that have, that, that have had a chance to play on the, on the football field. These guys will be hungry when they come back. I know that you have some athletes that are, qual- are, are quality athletes that can play. But you've got to get them, you've got to get the, guy, the specialty guys the ball, and you've got to be able to block up front. Another thing we read about in the media pretty much all year, and I know you heard and I heard from my listeners, 
was questioning the play calling at times. I mean, I go back to that Michigan State game. I was barraged the next week saying, why were we throwing in that monsoon? What was going on there? Uh, And, you know, there were other times during the season people questioned uh, the play calling in games. Did you question what we were doing at times? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, I've questioned many times what Coach Bo, what, what Coach Har, uh, Coach Bo was doing, um, uh, what Coach Hanlon, who was his offensive coordinator, was doing, and what they were calling. But I had the confidence that it would work its way out. I think we still have to have the confidence in that they would work it out. Uh, as I said, the, each and every film should be reevaluated. Uh, they need to take it one game at a time and watch those films and break them down and evaluate them uh, from, a, from an offensive standpoint. Offensive staff comes together and watches it and, you know, be brutally honest with one another. What were we thinking on this play? What was going on at the time? And got to remember that, it, like you said, the rain was coming down. Why were we trying to pass in the rain? And what was going on? And I think once, you, once they evaluate that and they talk amongst themselves, they may make some decisions that, hey, you know, that didn't work. Why would we do that? And, you know, they, this will be the kind of season that this is what they needed. Maybe this is what they needed to come out of this and be a better team. What is in our game day segment this week as we recap the Outback Bowl and talk about uh, the season that just ended uh, on Monday is Michigan great Jamie Morris. Jamie, if it was a simple fix, I think we would have seen the staff fix it this fall. So we know it wasn't. There's so many reasons why it just did not come together. And as you mentioned earlier, the reality is this is a critical offseason for Michigan football, isn't it? Yeah, it is a critical year. I mean, I think people have been very patient. The fan base has been very patient, uh, understanding. Uh, but, I mean, you got to keep in mind, though, uh, the, like I said earlier, the key position is quarterback. If you're not, if you're not solid at quarterback, which – we had two. We, we we had two injuries at that position, uh, and you didn't get you. You're not getting quality quarterback to play. It can it can disrupt the whole offense. And if you got it wrong, I, it's it's reminiscent of my freshman year when Jim Harbaugh broke his arm, and I fumbled the ball against uh, Michigan State, and Jim Harbaugh broke his arm. I, I, I'm big enough to admit that, and we went in total disarray. It took some time for us to find ourselves on the Russ Reen and, and uh, Chris Zerbro. And that being said, you, if you don't get quality quarterback play, that can disrupt a, a, a whole offense. And you got to take that in mind. With Wilton Spate getting hurt, that took a lot on us. John O'Corn, he, he gave us everything he could, but uh, it, just, it didn't work out. And then when Brandon came in, he did an admirable job, but he went down he got hurt against Wisconsin, so you um, you had uh, a revolving door going in and out of uh, the quarterback the quarterback position. So that puts your whole offense in disarray. But that being said, everybody else has to step up, and it, it it's 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 within the man. It's a team effort. It's not just one player, and that's the way that's the way you're taught at Michigan, and that's the way I think Jim Harbaugh is teaching his players. I mean, every it's a team effort, and they need to step up. 
Well, in that quarterback room, beginning uh, today, we're going to have three very talented quarterbacks. Dylan McCaffrey, of course, was uh, redshirted this season. Brandon Peters got some playing time, as we all know. And then we have Shea Patterson. Is he going to be cleared? Most people I talk to think, yes, he's going to be cleared. So he's going to be there in March. So are you optimistic about the talent that we have in the quarterback room? I like competition. And uh, this is... This is uh... This right here is going to be very, is going to be a highly comp, uh, competitive room. You're going to have uh, a Brandon, a Brandon Peters that's saying that's my position. You're going to have a, a Shea Patterson coming in saying I should be the man. I was the man down at Mississippi, and you got a Dylan McCaffrey who sat there and watched everything, who's looking for an opportunity, who's hungry. And don't forget, you got a a, a freshman, a true freshman, incoming freshman and Ro Lee and Joe Milton, who's going to sit there and say, I'm just as skilled as all of you, you know? So like you said, uh, Mike, it, this is going to be a competitive, and that's what you look for. You look for these guys to be competitive and to be hungry. And I think each and every one of them are going to be hungry for this position. And well, as you said, it's not just the quarterbacks. There are a lot of moving pieces if you're going to have a successful offense. And I think for most of us who've been around a long time and we want to see that good old-fashioned Michigan offensive line that just smacks people down, takes control of the game. Looking at the talent that we have on that offensive line right now, Jamie, do you have any reason not to believe that that evolution is going to take place soon? Um, no, I, I, I don't have any reservations. I think that this offensive line, I think being embarrassed on national television it is, is a thing that you – you don't like. And this team has experienced that uh, a lot of times this year. I think they, they need to know that, and you can see them, social media is this thing, and you see the players and what they're tweeting, that they, they, they you know, that we're going to get it done, we're going to step up. And I like to hear that, and I like to see that. But actions speak, loud, speak louder than words, Mike. Mm-hmm. And I, I know these kids are hungry. They're competitors. That's why we go out and get them. They, they, they have all the stars, they have all the talent in the world, but they got to take that talent and focus and do the job that they're being asked to do. And I know that they're also competitive, and they will. They just need to put it together as a team and move as one, not 11 individuals. You have to move as one. Well, we talked about the quarterbacks. We talked about the offensive line. Another position group that I thought we had too many of, believe it or not, the beginning of the season was wideouts. I thought, holy mackerel. I mean, how many of these guys can we have? These four stars and very talented wideouts. But as it turned out, no one stepped up in that group. Now, I'm not sure if it was them or the quarterbacks or a combination of those things. But whatever the case, that was that was disappointing that we didn't get more from our, our wideouts, Jamie. Yeah, it was, it, it was disappointing. I, I think, the pro- as I said earlier, what we were talking about, I think it, there there is a difference between a high school field and a college field and uh, receivers are, you know, you've got to recognize zone. You got to recognize man. You got to recognize, you got to run option routes. You got to do things that, that you don't normally you in high school. You can just be the fastest guy on the field and run past somebody. And the quarterback would just throw it deep and you can go get it as an athlete. That being said, you got you, you've got to study your game plan. You've got to uh, study film. You got to get with your coaches. You've got to be more involved in, in the whole daily game plan. And I think that I think 
the best thing that's happened to these young players, they learned that. The, and I, I don't mean it, it's not the hard way, but they got a chance to be a part of it. And now it, it, hopefully it brings fruit next year that these athletes know what they have to do if they want to be at the elite level. Jamie, do you think we could benefit from having a wide receivers coach, though? Um, I do. I do. I think a, a, a wide receivers coach, somebody who's played the position, somebody who's been around for a while, it would be great. Um, they, uh, coach Harbaugh has other, um, other ideas on what he's done. I know that Coach Pep Hamilton, he interacts with the quarterback and the wide receivers. He, work, he works with both of them, which, I mean, that, that's preference. But, again, in my preference, I'd like to have position coaches that have done it before, that have been a part of it. And, but as you well know, uh, the game – I haven't played the game in a long time, so maybe it's moved by. <laughs> moved me, I mean, pass me by. We've heard a lot of talk about that in the last few days, so we'll see what happens down the road with that. The other position group I just wanted to get your take on, Jamie, was uh, your old position, uh, the running backs. And I hear this all the time from listeners that'll say, hey, we have nice backs, but we we really don't have one in our stable of backs that scares people. Uh, A guy that's a home run hitter or a game changer. Do you agree with that? Uh, I I mean, I'm sorry. Karan Higdon is is a great back. And if you're looking for a change-up back, uh, Chris Evans is a great change-up back. You have two great backs. And if Ty Isaac, you know, if he doesn't get hurt, he's a big enough back that can do both, uh, pass block, run the ball. He he can do a lot of things, too. That being said, you have a stable of running backs. It's just you went through some injuries. Um, Kareem Walker had a high ankle sprain. Um, So you you had some backs. And, I mean – Again, getting back to uh, Karan Higdon, I mean, that young man, I mean, he rushed over 200 yards in the game, and he, he's, he's done some things that, I mean, he could start for a couple of teams around the Big Ten. But that being said, again, it comes back to team play. It comes back to coaching. It comes back to playing as one with the team. Well, talking about your old teammate and friend, uh, Coach Jim Harbaugh, do you think there are moments, uh, especially after a season like this, where he starts to realize this maybe is a bigger job than he ever imagined it would be? No, I don't think it's bigger than what he thought. I think he knows. I think Jim's been around here. He's he's, he's been a ball boy here. He's been a he's been um, uh, he's been a player here. He's he's now the coach here. I think he's had an opportunity to see how big this job is. Uh, he's had, his dad has coached here. You know the pressures here and what the fan base expects. I think he came in. He he inherited a great a great a great nucleus. I mean, kids that were ready to play, kids that were ready to uh, perform. And they took they took his they took his teachings and they put it to they put it they put it on the field. They had a ten and three season. The next year, remember, this team was picked to maybe make the the uh, playoffs, and they lose to they lose to Iowa, and they I mean Michigan uh, Ohio State beats them beats them in overtime. So that being said, I mean Jim Harbaugh doesn't I mean you got to remember he lost. All that talent went to the NFL. This is, this is not a guy who doesn't understand talent. 
he knows he has to reload. I get, I get why Michigan fans are upset. I get it. They're not used to seeing, especially from Jim Harbaugh, they've had two 10 and three seasons. That going eight and four, eight and five now is not acceptable. They're letting him know it's not acceptable. He knows within himself it's not acceptable. He's just got, I said, it needs to start with the man in the mirror, Jim Harbaugh, and then evaluate his whole staff, how he does things, what he's doing, recruiting everything to get it right. And I think he will. Watching the presser after the game on Monday down at the Outback Bowl, he just seemed very frustrated and, you know, he should be. The NFL questions came up again, which uh, really sort of irritated him. He shut that down pretty quickly. He's back at his alma mater. The fan base is starting to get a little bit antsy. Could you ever see him walking away from this job before he rebuilds and restores the program? No, I don't see him walking away. Jim Harbaugh is a competitor. He's an ultra competitor. Um, Jim Harbaugh's got a, yeah, sure. He's got flaws like everybody else. He's human, just like everybody else. He's got to reevaluate himself. He's got to get his, he's got to get his team together. He's got to get his coaching staff together. But when it's all said and done, you know, he will because he's ultra competitive. He wants to win like everybody else around here. He would, if Jim Harbaugh wasn't the coach and he was the former player, he would be the same guy that says, Hey, whoever's coaching this team needs to get his, get his butt in gear and get this team together. It's nothing that he hasn't heard before. I mean, when we, I, again, I go back to the 6-6 uh, six and six season in 84, uh, Bo Schimbeckler heard the same thing. It's passed him by. He doesn't know football. No. You, you go out and you work even harder. You show people. Expect, you, you don't show people. You show your team how ingrained that football is important. The importance of playing football. And it's the little things. It's blocking, tackling, doing the things that you're supposed to do. So I don't think Jim Harbaugh is going to go away, walk away from the job that the dream job that he has. I mean, we dream about having a job like we love. And I think Jim Harbaugh loves this job. But I think he knows what he needs to do to fix this. Most of the fan base, as you will, are well aware, is in a funk after uh, the way the season ended. And I know many of them don't see a light at the end of the tunnel here in the first 24 hours after that game, maybe weeks, I, I don't know. Uh, despite this frustrating season and the very difficult ending to watch, do you believe better days are ahead for Michigan football, Jamie? Honestly, I do. And Mike, uh, I'm not a Michigan slappy. I played the game. I've been there. I think he's got the right athlete. At, at the University of Michigan. Now, he needs to take the right athlete, find the right coaches if he doesn't have them, and put them together and coach them up. Thanks to Michigan great Jamie Morris for joining us today. Skype dropped off on us at the end of the call, so we missed Jamie's parting words, so I'm going to paraphrase them for you. He said, Mike, here's what Jim will tell his team, and here is what he, Jamie Morris, would tell the fans. Those who stay will be champions. And I know we've all heard that before, but it's as true now as it was in 1969. So hang in there, gang. As Jamie said, there is light at the end of the tunnel. He thinks the future is still very, very bright for Jim Harbaugh and Michigan football. 
quick hits is next as we wrap up another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze in Brew. On Quick Hits today, Chase Winovich announced yesterday he will return for his fifth year. That means nine of this year's 11 starters will be back on D. Men's Hoops beat Iowa on Tuesday 75-68. It was our first win over the Hawkeyes since January of 2014 and first W at Carver-Hawkeye Arena since February 2011. Xavier Simpson led the way with 15, 7 assists, and 0 turnovers. His play is getting much better. Abdur Rockman chipped in 14 with 6 assists. Charles Matthews also had 14, and Big John Teske continues to contribute. He had seven boards. Mo Wagner is still shaking the rust off and getting back into rhythm. We're at home for a noon tip against the Illini on Saturday, and next week, look out. Tuesday at Chrysler against Purdue, and then a bus ride to East Lansing for a visit with number one Michigan State. Coach barnes Rico has her team at number 22 this week, despite losing to Iowa at their place on Sunday. Tonight they will play Wisconsin on the road, and Coach barnes Rico looks for her 124th win, which would push her past Sue Guevara as the winningest coach in Michigan women's basketball history. They return home to meet Ohio State at Chrysler on Sunday. Tip time is noon. Mill Pearson's Michigan hockey team beat Sparty on Tuesday to take third place in the 53rd annual Great Lakes Invitational at the LCA for the first time. They return to action on Friday when Notre Dame visits for the first time as a member of the Big Ten, in hockey that is. Puck drops at 6.30 p.m. and get there early. It's Red Barons and dedication night prior to the game. On Sunday, Michigan travels to South Bend to close out the home-and-home series. Puck drop is scheduled for 3.05 p.m. The Wolverines are struggling with youth and inconsistency in Mel's first season and have an overall record of 8-8-2 heading into this week's play. Michigan wrestling is back in action on Friday at Indiana, and then Sunday makes the trip to West Lafayette for a matchup with the Boilermakers. The Big Ten is brutal this year. Five teams in the top ten right now. The Wolverines are 4-5 and five in the conference, 8-7 and seven overall. Softball announced they will play a 54-game schedule this spring. It gets underway on February 9th down at the Wilson D. Marini Tournament, only about four weeks away, which is hard to believe. Baseball will get underway the week after. We'll have more on those two sports in coming weeks. And it's nice to think about warm-weather sports right now, isn't it? Don't forget our free show app is available from the iTunes and Google Play stores. You can also hear us on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Wolverine Sports Radio. If you get the show from iTunes, take a sec to rate or comment on the program. Thanks in advance. That will do it for this week. Thanks again to Michigan great Jamie Morris for being our guest today. We're going to take a break from football next week, and I think we can all use one. Michigan Hoops is looking good right now, but next week it gets real with Purdue on Tuesday and Sparty at the Breslin next Saturday. I hope to have Michigan beat writer Brendan Quinn from The Athletic Detroit on with us. If not, we'll grab one of the other beat writers and talk about what's going on with Coach John Beeline and his team. Until then, I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. 
Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!